Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The five-star zone with Rico Beer and Howard Griffith. Welcome to another edition of the five-star zone. Rico Beard, Howard Griffith on the other side. And Howard, uh, a lot went on in the Big Ten. I think separation between the two of Michigan and Ohio State. They, they, they still show that they're the best teams, but it wasn't as easy for either team. Ohio State. You know what? You can battle every team in college football, but when you take up on go up against Mother Nature, man, Mother Nature fights back and hit with a wallop. I mean, both Michigan and Ohio State at one point were were losing in their games that everybody kind of thought they were going to run away with. Ohio yeah. State, let's start with them. I, you know what? I got to give Pat Fitzgerald an A plus for his game plan. He used the weather. He knew. This is I know Chicago weather. You know Chicago weather. And he's just like, okay, we're going to use the wind and the rain to our advantage. When we, it's to our back, we're going to be super aggressive. And when we don't have it, we're going to grind this thing and slow it to a halt. Ohio State, Ryan Day, the Achilles heel showed up. It, it's the run game. And finally, I guess C.J. Stroud just said, you know what? Screw it. I'll be the guy. I'll be the running back. I'll be the one to pick up the yards. Yeah, and – uh you know, it's, it's unfortunate that it played out that way, but, you know, we've been talking about this Ohio State and whether or not they had a dominant offensive line. I thought earlier in the season, there's no question about it, the way they were mixing things up, using the tight ends, using fullback, um, being able to, to really give you a lot of different looks offensively. You know, I thought they were the most complete team, but what, uh, what Northwestern proved that, that they still have some work to do up front with yeah. the offensive line. And listen, I know about the weather. Uh, yes, obviously it's an issue when you talk about offense and trying to run your run your offense. But you know the other side of it is they had quite a few drop balls as well. And, and I know you talked about CJ being a part of the run game, but what's that have to do with what what happened on the other side of the football? You, you look at Northwestern, and I mean, I, if I'm not sure how many plays they had in the Wildcat, but it was probably half of their offense. Yes, <laughs> they were able to slow it down uh, toward the end of that game, but there were times where Northwestern was running Wildcat, and they were having a great deal of success. I mean, they rushed for almost 200, a little over 200 yards. And right. You don't expect that from, from a team that's going to compete for a national title. Offensively, I can see all the issues over there with the weather and that sort of thing. But defensively is really what really shocked me, not to be able to slow uh, Northwestern's run game down at all. And really, Sullivan uh, looked pretty good throwing the ball. He was connecting with his receivers. So, you know, it left me with a little bit of a head scratcher. Yeah, because and it's funny because 
watching games, whenever I see a team go line up in the Wildcat, it seems like the easiest thing to defend because you know they're running the ball. They're not yeah. passing the ball. It's like, how, how does this running back find its way and weave his way through the offense? I have never understood that, Howard. It makes zero sense to me. Talk to me. You are a running back. I don't know if they ran the Wildcat when you play, but it seems like the most basic play, and yet defenses can't stop it. Uh, most basic play, when you think about it, look at it this way. I mean, there are really no receivers that are going to run by anybody on Ohio State's team. So even if you locked up man-to-man on the outside, which you didn't have necessarily have receivers out there, it was tight formations, you should be able, just from a sheer, sheer talent standpoint, be able to neutralize what they're trying to do. And again, they were able to do that later on, uh, after I guess they got settled in, but the amount of times that they ran Wildcat in that game uh, and had success is really a, a little concerning. And, you know, one of the things that I thought was also uh, a little concerning was just how, you know, they necessarily finish runs. And, you know, you talk about Ohio State, and I immediately was watching when I started watching the Michigan game. And listen, JJ takes some shots and Quorum takes some shots, but. My goodness, they are running the ball downhill, putting their foot in the ground. And you look at Penn State, those backs were looking for contact. And, right. You know, I just didn't necessarily see the finish from the run game uh, with Ohio State. So that, you know, again, has some questions, things that they may need to figure out. Howard, something's missing with that running game. I, I can't quite put my finger on it. I don't know if it's the backs. I don't know if it's the offensive line. But it 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 doesn't – or maybe I'm just comparing it to previous Ohio State – uh, running backs and rushing because it just seems weird. It seems off. It seems forced. I think it's going to be a problem when you get to the playoffs and when you get to those teams, if you can't establish any type of run, I don't think you want to become one-dimensional. Look, yeah. th- this is a year that anybody can win. As you're, you're going to see, right. as you saw last weekend, you're going to see tonight when they come out with the college football playoff poll. I don't know, but if you're Ohio State, man – not being able to run the ball could be the reason you get knocked out of this thing in a year where I guess we got to go back and say Georgia is still, he is him. Georgia is still that team. I, I yeah. thought the Georgia, I'm like, look, I kept telling people, like, Georgia's bored. Georgia's won it. And now it's one of those things. Be careful what you ask for because, you know, I think for them it was all about that chase of getting to the title. And once they got there, and we beat Alabama. Well, what else is there? So I think they did. They fell for that temptation, and they got lax. But, you know, you saw what they did, and they went out there, and they showed Tennessee. Thank you for keeping that number one place warm for us. We're going to take that next Tuesday because you're not as good as us. But going back to Michigan, Ohio State's Achilles heel is the, is the, run, is the, is the mm-hmm. rushing attack to me. To Michigan, yeah. Howard. I look at them and I think about them. What if you played Georgia? What if you played Tennessee? What if you played all these other teams? I don't know if Michigan can keep playing with fire and win. Your slow starts are going to eventually come back to bite you. Rutgers. I mean, you look at their last four games and either they went into halftime losing or tied or barely winning against teams that they should have been blowing out. Now, eventually, they blew them out in the second half. But, man. One of these days, you're going to run up against somebody, and now you're looking up at that scoreboard, and you're looking at 28 to 10, and I don't know if you'll be able to come back, Howard. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I think is happening a little bit, too, right, we're, we're so we, – we cover these Big Ten teams, and we look at them uh, in a little different light. 
right? And uh, we look at all the Achilles heels that they may have. But then, as you mentioned, you look around the country, and you mentioned Georgia, maybe they're bored, you yeah. know, until they ran up against somebody they needed to really get after. But one thing you have to say about Michigan is that, you know, they found a way, right? They You're going to get everybody's best shot. Right. And they made the adjustments they needed to. And then, you know, obviously the second half wasn't even close. So, you know, that's a team that to me has that dimension with the quarterback, with JJ, um, to be able to, to take you to the next level. Now, the challenge with them as well is the deep ball. You know, yeah. we, we continue to see the misses on the deep ball. They're just not, not there just yet. Yeah. Um, but they're still finding ways to win games. Um, and this is going to be interesting as in a year where, uh, so many teams or, or the top teams still have Achilles heels and still have things that they're working through. You know, they, there's a lot still out there for all of these teams that, that are trying to compete. You know, I, I think ultimately Georgia jumps to number one. I think Michigan uh, is number two, Ohio State number three. Uh, you know, and Tennessee probably not going to drop out of the top four and they'll end up being number four. But, you know, Tennessee can't play defense. They struggle on the defensive side. Yeah, so everybody right. has a little bit of something. Yeah. Uh, it's just a matter of when they put it all together and when it comes together, uh, when the playoffs, or really not even the playoffs, when they get to these these big games that they have to play. Because it, clearly Michigan and Ohio State are on collision course right now, uh, and the best team's going to find a way to win that game. And I think ultimately it's going to come down to what happens in the trenches uh, because they're going to be able to, you know, really control the line and play keep away from that Ohio State uh, offense that can be so potent when they're not playing in uh, messy conditions. Yeah, that's true. Now, and I guess you're right. We cover these teams. I treat Michigan and I treat Ohio State differently because, let's face it, they're the only Big Ten teams with hopes of hoisting that trophy at the end of the season. So, right. yeah, I'm going to grade them a little bit harder than I would Purdue, than I would Indiana, because that's ones where you're like, oh, well, good for you. I look at those two are like the advanced level student. Well, I, yeah, I'm going to be nitpicky because you have to be in order to get that advantage over the top ten teams. And so, yeah, both teams found a way to win. Ohio State went out there and they won it. Ryan Day was like, this is probably one of the, the, you know, the worst conditions he's ever coached in. Michigan, you know, in a blink of an eye, scored like three touchdowns. And literally, Howard, I'm not even joking. I turned over and was watching a little bit of the LSU-Alabama game. Mm-hmm. And, and and I think I think Michigan had like just scored a touchdown. So I'm like, okay, they're up now. Watched a little bit of that, flipped back to the channel. I was like, wait, what just happened here? How, how are they now at like like thirty five some points? Like they just had twenty one points. What? And they show like oh it was a pick six. It was this. So yeah, um, they can score. And, that, and I'll give them credit for Michigan in the second half. I don't know what is said to the defense in the second half. I believe what three points. That's all they've given up. Nobody's scoring. So whatever you got at halftime, that's it. You're not getting any more. That's mm-hmm. impressive. So I, I like the adjustments that they make. My concern for them is just the slow starts because, man, yeah. we saw what happened. You go up against Georgia like you did last year. Mm-hmm. It, it ain't like Georgia can't score. And, and, yeah. and you, I guess you can't keep leaning on trying to work your way out of it. So that that's why we started off with those two. I judged them a little bit differently because yep. if the Big Ten's going to win a title – yeah, you two got to do a little bit better. You, you got to do that. The other thing, and, you know, hey, I tried to tell you. 
I'm a little concerned, and maybe I'm overthinking this, Howard, but Michigan State goes in and, and plays your alma mater. They play Illinois, and, and they beat them. And, mm-hmm. you know, not, I'm not rubbing it in, though I would like to, but I'm not. I wasn't that guy because I, I really wanted to text you, but I'm like, no, I'm not that guy. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, you know what, Howard? I don't do that to my friends. I give you I, – I, I give you the 24-hour grace period to cool off because I don't know how emotional the game was for you. I'm, I'm not that guy that's – Ah, you lost. No, no, no. I give you a little bit of time. Mel Tucker, from the from the Michigan State standpoint, Mel Tucker goes, and I said this probably was one of his best coaching performances in his tenure at Michigan State. This this has mm-hmm. to be probably top three, top four. You know, I look at the Michigan game last year. I look at the bowl. You know, the New Year's Six bowl game against Pitt. But in this game, with all the suspensions. But not mm-hmm. just suspension with everybody, because let's face it, Howard. You know, as I know, articles and stories were already prepared. He lost his team. He, you know, this team is in flux. Maybe he's in over his head, and he went out there and he didn't even do it with the Jimmys and Joes. He he did it with the Billies and Nos, and he got the job done with guys who I I followed the team, Howard. I had to look it up and be like, who's number forty three? Who is this guy? Who is this guy? He went out there, and he went on the road, and he got the job done. And and it wasn't like, oh, they went on a fluke. They pretty much went out there and and just played their game. Now, I do question, and and he can explain it all he wants. I will still question what he did in that last drive at the goal line when I I don't understand. It's either you're going to score or you're going to run out the clock. But you can't do both. Right. Okay, we're running out the clock. Okay, you get a delay of game penalty. Then you call a timeout. Then you run a pass play. Then you miss the field goal. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, you need to work on your end of game management. But but back to the actual game, I thought that this was actually probably one of the, the top three or four games in his short tenure at Michigan State for the way that he put away all the noise and got his team to perform and play. Yeah, I think that's important. That's an important part because one of the things that um, obviously what happened in Michigan was uh, was terrible. Right. I don't think you're going to find anybody that's going to speak about that any differently. But I also think sort of the narrative that was starting to build a little bit was like, oh, it's Michigan State. They're out of control. You know, what kind of players do they have? What right. kind of what kind of leadership is going on? And, and, and that's not the case. And, you know, Mel Tucker's an unbelievable coach. He's a disciplinarian. He does all the things he needs to to get his team prepared. And you saw that happen. And, and I, I'm glad it got to be what was happening on the field and the type of coach he is and the type of program he runs. Uh, I think when you start to think about, the, you know, the leaders uh, in his program, the, the captains of that team, really, that, that really stepped up and had to take a leadership position. You know, just Henderson alone, Xavier was was extremely uh, what I would consider emotional after the game when he was doing some interviews uh, because it clearly was a tough week for everyone uh, that was involved. You're trying to, you know, know, really uphold your reputation as players and as a program. And I I think, you know, they took some hits. But going on the field, they did exactly what they needed to do. You know, they weren't concerned about Illinois and, 
they got Illinois into some tough spots where they weren't able to make some plays. I think you, you know you saw Chase Brown put the ball on the ground, lost a fumble. I think there were like three fumbles, only one was lost, but it still it was it was stopping momentum. Right. Uh, and you know they just rose up and played, and I think that's probably a good thing. They had to go on the road and play this game, right? Because they had to come together that's as a team point, and, yeah. and galvanize and and have a mission and and go out and get that done. Uh, you know, Illinois still in, you know, and still in the driver's seat for what they need to do if they go ahead and take care of business. But I think this was more about what Michigan State was able to do and the type of game plan they were able to execute, as you mentioned, with, you know, their best defender down uh, and, and another, you know, several other players obviously suspended, but they found a way to get it done. And I think that's a testament to, you know, where this program is heading and where really where it is right now. And I'm looking... Looking from the Illinois standpoint, and and Howard, I'm going to ask you because you probably follow that team a lot more mm-hmm. closely than I do. Is it just the aggressive nature of Brett Bielema, or was it almost all, like a little bit of a lack of respect? We're just going for it. We're not kicking the ball. They're a depleted team. They're on the fringe of just, you know, being a non-existent program. We should be able to run the ball. We got the nation's top rusher. Going forward, they were one for six. The last one I'll throw yeah. out because that was desperation. They were 0 for 5 during the oh, game. Um, and I thought a couple of times, you didn't have to do this. You, you, I thought they left at least six points on on the field by just kicking a field goal, mm-hmm. especially the goal line. Like, if there's one thing that Michigan State can do. I don't know what is it about. They can defend the goal line. Team after team after team, all things. Oh, we're going to punch it in. No, you're not. We may get it on the one and turn it back over to you, but you don't score. And I just looked at the – I'm like, I, I didn't think you had to be that aggressive, and it just felt like once you fe- went down that rabbit hole that Bielema and Illinois were just trying to play catch-up the entire yeah. game instead of being that team that was a 17-point favorite, that team that was ranked in the poll, and that mm-hmm. team that I thought was going to really, you know, give Michigan and Ohio State a run for their money – I, I question his strategy, Howard. Well, I, I'd say this. I, I'd say, you know, weather, weather was an issue. Um, maybe he didn't have the confidence that he may have had uh, been able to go for that. But I, I think the question also is, I mean, you find yourself in a position where, as you mentioned, you're 0-5 uh, to, to that last one, 0-5 on fourth down. 0-4, you know, 0-5 on fourth down. How are you getting in that position to begin with? Right. And that's, that's probably the bigger question, right? And that was – it was some short yardage situations, you know, where it was fourth and one, and, and they were unable to pick it up. And, you know, I, I think this is an offensive line that's really been physical and really been able to do what they needed to in the run game, uh, but they weren't able to get that done against Michigan State. And, you know, they needed to find a way to make some plays and to be able to close some things out. And, you know, it unfortunately didn't happen. Uh, and Michigan State rose up, but, you know, you look at Illinois, this is probably the first time really all year outside of the Indiana game um, where, you know, they were, were outplayed and, and that becomes an issue. But again, for them, you know, everything's still in front of them. They still have to play uh, Purdue, which I don't know what the heck's going on with them right now. Uh, you, you talk about a team wildly inconsistent. Woo. I got no idea what those guys are, are going to do when they Howard, show up. Howard, it was Freaky Friday because, and I was going to get to them next, but Iowa and Purdue have swapped programs and swapped bodies. Because remember, Iowa was, we left them for dead. They couldn't score points. 
And and now mm-hmm. even uh, Spencer Peters is like, yeah, you guys said all this stuff about us. Well, look at us now. Yeah, like you're scoring touchdowns in Purdue. Yeah. I, you know, I, th- I thought it was going to be a low-scoring game, but I thought it was going to be the other way around. Where I'm like, well, Aiden O'Connell's going to go out there. He's going to score, and Iowa can't match. And I looked at that, watched a little bit of the game, looked at the score. I was like, who woke up Iowa, and why were they so late to the party? Because – this was the Iowa team that I thought was going to be there. Not going to light up the scoreboard, but they're going to play great defense, probably score around 24 points, but you won't be able to match that. And, yeah, and Purdue, you're right. I have no idea. It, 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 but it also leads me, and, and maybe we'll find out when USC and UCLA join the conference, but I think it's, it may be time to realign the conference when here's the sad reality. Okay, and and I'm not mm-hmm. dumping on your program, but at the end of the year, Illinois will probably win the Big Ten West. But they've lost to all three of their Big Ten East opponents. Mm-hmm. They would, I think, they will lose to Michigan, which is not a stretch. But you also will have lost to Michigan State and Indiana, two teams that I I just think you, you should have beat. Like, mm-hmm. man, how we got to realign this thing? This. this this is it's just not fair right now. It, it it feels like varsity versus JV. Yeah, yeah it, it's tough. Uh, there's no question about it. And, you know, I've been on this one, but I, I understand, you know, the the idea of realignment and that sort of thing. But I, I just still find it hard to believe that we're just not – we're going to be one conference. I don't think there's going to be an east and west, north and south. I just – at this particular point, as much money is in the college football playoffs right now, and that's going to continue to increase, I think they're going to want to be able to put the best teams in, in that championship game. And it's going to be, I believe, it's ultimately going to be one conference. And, you know, it's going to be tough. But that's why, to me, if you're in a position to, to be able to compete in the next two years in the West, you, you better take your shot because it's, yeah. it's not going to be easy. It's and listen, and that's you know that's the reality of it. Uh, I haven't necessarily heard anyone that said, okay, well let's let's talk about doing you know conference realignment. Most people um, that I know that that are that are what consider to be in the know think that these the way conferences, the way the playoffs are going to be set up. You know, it, it's better off to to have one conference and you know to try to get your best teams, your best two, your best three into position to have a chance to win a national title. But, you know, when you look at the West right now, it is wide open. You talked about Iowa, and you said if anybody's going to throw the ball around, it would not have been the Iowa team, particularly right. in the weather conditions that were, were happening. But, I mean, not only did they throw it around, but uh, they ran the ball well, too. Yes. Freshman running back Johnson, was, uh, <laughs> you know, had 200 yards, and, and it was a totally different team than we were accustomed to seeing all year. And this is two weeks in a row that they found a way to win. And again, it's really three weeks because uh, Purdue had a bye, but we haven't seen this Purdue team uh, really executing in what will be a month uh, the next time they step out onto the field. So you, you know they're well coached, but uh, uh, Coach Brown said it after the game. He said, listen, if our best players aren't playing, playing well, we don't have a chance. And you know, it all starts at the quarterback position for them. When the quarterback's hot, He's one of the best, not just at the Big Ten, but in the country as far as completions are concerned. But when things aren't going well and they can't get the run game going, man, they're just they're just another team that's out there. And defensively, they've been inconsistent as well. So, 
You know, both of those teams, you know, had some issues. You look at Iowa starting to really get the ball to Laporta, uh, who, who's a really talented tight end, but you saw him out in space and making things happen. And maybe the offensive line is coming together uh, for Iowa, but, you know, we'll have to see. Yeah, I mean, it's – it, but I think you're right. It makes sense because, like, if you had one division this year, Michigan and Ohio State would play, and then they would turn around and play a week later – and either it would just throw complete chaos in there if they split, or it would show that one team was truly the dominant team because they swept that team two weeks in a row. You're right. It, this it, Now, the problem is with the schedule makers and how they're going to to make this so it's not, you know, you're not playing all the top-heavy teams and you somehow balance this thing out, but that's for smarter yeah. people other than us. But, yeah. I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this. Um, I know that, you know, historically – this Michigan-Ohio State game and when it's played historically. But I got to tell you, I, I, there's going to be Power, some, you know what? Strong, Say some it. strong conversation about when that game has Ooh, to be played. Okay, you know what? It ain't Sunday, but Howard is preaching and taking us to church because I have been saying this for the longest. And people, you can't say that in the state that I live in because right. – for one, I graduated from the wrong school, so you don't understand tradition and Bow and Woody, and the game must be played at noon because that's another thing that I'm like, mm-hmm. this game this year should be 3.30 a primetime game. Make the world watch it because I think it's good. Yeah, nah, It's got to be noon. Like, hey, last time I checked, both Bow and Woody are dead, and I don't think they care. But you're yeah. right. Move this game to earlier in the year. It allows a team that loses – to recover and come back and have a rematch later on. I look at Texas-Oklahoma with the Red River shootout, first yeah. game of the season. I've never understood. It's like, well, it's got to be last. But by doing it last, you may be knocking one team out of a playoff spot where if you do it early, you can still get both teams in there. You're right. I, I don't know how much clout and cachet, you know, that the Gene Smith and Ward Manuel are going to have in these meetings and talking, but – I would try to sit them down and say, guys, tradition is tradition, but sometimes you can start a new tradition. And I think it would be beneficial in in this of college football because, man, I, I've said it before, Howard. Man, you guys can't keep playing this thing the last game because you're you're hurting yourselves because this could be really like look at last year. Yeah, you play that game early. Okay, Michigan wins, but. Mm-hmm. Ohio State would have had a chance to bounce back, recover, and you could have had two Big Ten teams in there. That's, that's well, just me. If it, if it goes to again, if it goes to uh, you know one conference, right, uh, or, or you know no divisions gets away from that, I, I think both athletic directors and the commissioner are, are very forward thinking. I think the three of them are, are going to have to figure it out. I'm not saying that it's, the game is going to move. But I think as they start to go through scheduling and start to think about what makes sense and, and really what you what you what they would do continuing to play that game last, right. I think you're 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 going to set some things up that if SC is what we believe SC can be in another year, another two years, you're essentially going to be guaranteed, and SC is one of the teams that's going to be in the mix yeah. uh, with that game being played at, at that time, no matter what. Um, uh, to me, listen, it's it, it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be a hard decision. And, and obviously, I'm not in the state. I do understand the history and, and the great rivalry 
that it is. Uh, arguably the best rivalry in sports, but some people are going to have to figure out what ultimately is best for the Big Ten Conference. And Howard, really you're right. Things change. Things change. I mean, it used to be a yeah. time where you, you know, you didn't wear, you know, face masks. It was leather helmets. That's tradition. Then it was, mm-hmm. oh, well, there's no the, the forward pass. Now we gonna run the ball. It, hey, there was times when people who looked like us couldn't play. That's not traditional. Yeah. Right. Things evolve. They change. Mm-hmm. I think this is the next step of that evolution. I, I'm I'm with you a hundred percent. I knew what you were about to say even before you said it. That's why I was like, yeah. I would preach because when I say it. You know, I, I, I'm just some Sparty that I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm like... It's hard, man. You know, change has always been hard. Yeah, and and when is. you look at them, again, I think you just go back to uh, just the, the history, the, the, the two-story programs. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, something, something's going to have to give. It is. Something's going to have to give. And, and I think ultimately, you know, those TV dollars are going to have a lot to say and about what, what happens and when it happens. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just one of those things. But we'll see. We'll see. We're, we're going to get a good matchup this time around. Hopefully everything works out. Uh, both teams are playing at uh, full complement, full strength. Uh, but I will say this. Today, I'm going to tell you, the, the strongest team, the, the team that's the most physical, not not the team that's, that's, that has that finesse, the team that is the most physical in that matchup mm-hmm. is going to win that football game. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I don't care where the game is played. I just think that it, you're going to have to be physical in that game at certain points to, to be able to make a run and be able to come out at, uh, victorious in that game. See, I think in that game, the key is, is is really one player, and it's a player that we haven't seen all year. It's whether Jackson Smith and the Jigba plays in that game. Because if he does, I don't know if Michigan can cover both he, him, and Marvin Harrison Jr. That's where it's going to get difficult. Because mm-hmm. right now, you know, you can roll your coverage and you could just kind of double-team Harrison because the Jigba's not there. But if they are both there... I don't know if if you could cover both. And we haven't seen that because Ohio State, he hasn't really played any this right. year. But I always thought that that was the strength that they had. That you have two first-round NFL receivers. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what made Ohio State dangerous last year. I thought that they could take that far. But, they, you know, as you said, the tougher team ended up winning that game in Michigan with the game being played in Ann Arbor. So, yeah, it, it, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this thing ends up. But... Um, yeah, this is a year, as we said before, that it could happen. Now, before we get to, I, I got one last thing that I do want to bring up. Um, once again, I tried to tell you, you don't go up against Drake. When he drops any kind of production, for some reason, MSU wins that next day. Uh, it's now, what, 10-0, 11-0? 11-0. 11-0. So, I'd like to thank you, Howard. I'll let you know what restaurant that I'm looking forward to. No problem. Let me, let me tell you what happened in this thing. I was like, yeah, did some more research. I'm like, man, this is this is crazy. You know, to, you know, after he releases a project, and you know, we do these bold predictions uh, at the end of the show. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just on the surface, I was telling him, I'm like, shoot, Michigan State, you're going up against Drake, 
And, you know, some, you know, Revson had no idea what the heck was going on at the time when I threw that out there. He's just like, shoot, Illinois is supposed to win the game. That's not bold. And I said, wait a minute, man. Drake is dropping a project. They're 10-0 when Drake drops a project the next day on that Friday. And then, you know, obviously the talk about, well, he moved it back a week. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, it played right into uh, what Michigan State needed to do. But you know what? I don't mind losing that bet. That, that was a pretty good one. And I had some fun with those guys uh, uh, Saturday morning just throwing that one out there. It was a bold prediction, I thought. But uh, ended up Michigan State handled their business, and the Drake effect is still in full effect. Howard, you're welcome. See what You see what you get when you work with me? <laughs> Revson ain't going to get you. Donardo's not giving you that. Nicole ain't giving you that. Ah. I'm giving you that, buddy. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna keep you up. I'm I'm gonna keep you up there, man. You know, I'll let you know what the kids say. Um yeah, appreciate it. No worries. One last thing. Yeah. What would Coach Griffith have done in overtime against Alabama? Do you kick the two point I mean kick the extra point or do you go for two the way Brian Kelly did with LSU? I, I think you go for two. Yeah, I, I think you you go and you you try to win it. You go win the game. Uh, when you're playing against a team like, you know, Alabama, just not this particular team. Right. But you're not just playing this particular team. When you step in there, you're playing against Nick Saban. You're playing against all that, that, that they've been able to accomplish in his tenure there at, at Alabama. And you're in position. Go win the game. man. Yeah. Just go try to win it and end this thing. And wow. They were, no, they were able was- to do it. Their freshman stepped up and played big for them. It was funny because, I mean, it was like a discussion at the end of the game. Like, no, man, you just keep playing and, you know, you're at home. And I'm like, there are certain teams, when you have the advantage, you better run your best play. But you take the kill shot and end it. Because if I was an LSU fan and that play didn't work and the freshman drops the ball, I'm okay with that. Because I'd rather just not keep going back and forth, back and forth. You had the chance because I think Nick Saban would have done that. If, if it was the other way around, he would have been like, guys, we're not doing this. We're going to win this game. We're going to take this to rally. And, I, and I'm laughing because with LSU winning, you know, there's one team that nobody's talking about out of the SEC. But <laughs> they'll probably end up going to, I, I think they'll, I think they're in the West. That's Ole Miss. Ole Miss has one loss. Mm-hmm. Nobody's talking about Ole Miss. Because yeah. I, I was like, well, that means LSU has a shot at making the playoffs. And they're like, yeah, but you just skipped over a team. And I'm like, well, Alabama, and like, no, no, no. Ole Miss yeah. is controlling their own destiny right now. I don't know what would happen to the world if Lane Kiffin actually won the national title. That just seems like <laughs> one of the signs of the apocalypse. But it's going to be a fun four weeks to see how this thing shakes out and I think the only team that I that I could definitely say will make the playoffs right now, unequivocally, is Georgia. That's it. Because yeah. TCU yeah, there's, undefeated. There's, you know, there, there's so much out there to be played. There's still games. I mean, so things are going to shake out. But right now, the way things look, the way Georgia's playing, uh, particularly they they end up at number one this week, which I fully expect that to happen. Um, you know, they're going to be tough to to knock down, and you know, obviously they're going to have to play in the SEC championship game, but you know it, it's that team looks like they are ready to go. I mean, Stetson looks like I mean he's he's just picked up from where he dropped off last year and yeah. continuing to play well. But 
these other teams have got a chance, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, Michigan, Ohio State's of the world, uh, the Tennessee's, you know, um, you look at UCLA is hanging out there as well, Oregon. I mean, they're still teams. I mean, TCU is a team nobody talks about really. It's right. undefeated and still playing really well. But it's really going to come down to to continuing to listen to the committee and see what they have to say and how they continue to, uh, you know, yeah. mold and craft uh, their top four plus, you know, the first two out. Yes, I, I got TCU as my number four. You're undefeated. I'm sorry. You can't keep punishing them. Well, what about this? Hey, they're undefeated, okay? This could all change next week. But for this week, you, you got to reward them. You got to put them in at four. Howard, appreciate the time. I'll let you know where to sit in that gift certificate, man. Hey, I thought about all you, right, man. man. Have look, a great look, week. Look what I found. So oh, You're going to break the helmet. You're going to crash the helmet, aren't you? No. You got a hammer? No. No, you, that's that's that Michigan helmet. You notice that ain't back there no more. <laughs> now I got respect. I got to get a larger one, but I did find as many ones. So okay. because of you, I, you know, you got to represent over here. So we, we'll get you in the rotation. Howard, appreciate your time. See you on Thursday. Thanks for watching the Five Star Zone. Keep telling your friends. Keep subscribing and uh, keep enjoying the show. We'll be back on Thursday. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast how powerful is cox internet powerful enough to let your band members in vegas phoenix 
and Rhode Island. Jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.